Welcome, everybody, to the Just Stick Around podcast. This is episode three. I'm your host, Zach. And I'm Jim. We're not saying our last names anymore. We can. Well. Because we're related. Very much. (laughs) You are? Zach Stillwell. I'm Jim Stillwell. Yeah, there it is. Sorry. (laughs) I love it. Well, today in episode three, uh, what we're going to talk about is uh, growing in the understanding of how God thinks and feels about us. Um, We're talking about how God is enjoyable. You know, I love this because I think so many times, so many people have a, well, we all have, really, we have these untrue views of God and how he is postured towards us, right? That he's agitated or irritated or frustrated. You know, I always say, half jokingly, you know, God's not an old bearded man rocking in his rocking chair, just waiting for us to fall apart so he could discipline us. That is not at all the heart of the father. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to spend some time just talking about how we encounter God's heart, um, through prayer and that we have to know who God really is in order really to be sustained and stay faithful to loving him, right? It's like, how do, how do you love someone that is irritated with you? Wow. Okay, so you're just talking, and my mind is running through things, right? How many Christians that identify as Christians think God's mad at them? Because all of our human relationships are go through such ups and downs of I'm I'm— enjoyable to you or I'm not enjoyable. I'm accepted. I'm not accepted. I'm worth something. I'm not worth something. So our whole grid to uh, interpret this relationship that we have with an invisible God, we're not sure how he feels and thinks about us. We know that he just wants us to obey him. We know that we struggle so desperately in our hearts to do that because we're every which way in our emotions We respond when people don't like us. We don't respond the right way. We respond in vengeance. We respond in resentment. We respond in bitterness. And so just as you're talking about an enjoyable God, it is so distant from followers of Jesus so often. And therefore, we live at a distance from him and can never walk out the fruitfulness of obedience with him. We're not employees for God. Right. We're sons and daughters. Now, does he want me to obey him? Yes. Will he take me through times of discipline? Yes. Does he teach me things through things? Yes. He will train me through things. All that's true. Does he want me to live holy and pure? Yes. 100%. In faithfulness? Yes. It all comes to embr- down to embracing the cross, but this thing of in, that he's an he's an enjoyable God. I think it's, uh, you know, somebody can check me out on this. Timothy or Thessalonians it talks about he is the blessed God. Mm-hmm. He's happy, and you know this, and and a lot just because we've related to a lot of things that Mike Bickle said over the years is, is God mostly mad, sad, or glad? And you have everybody in the room reacts differently to that. You got people that are so like, God's totally upset with the earth because of this. 
God's totally happy like a Santa Claus. God's totally grieved and sad. You can't land anywhere on those and make that your primary message. Right. He is blessed and he is happy. He's happy because his son and the Holy Spirit, now we're talking about the Trinity, are in complete, full friendship, fellowship, relationship, unhindered. So this whole subject of knowing an enjoyable God is something we have to be on a journey for with. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and I think of a couple of things like think about what, what every human being longs for is love and acceptance. That's at the core of who we are. And God put that in us on purpose because he is love and he accepts and he requires that we become like him and that we change and grow. But when I think about that, when I think about what we're all longing for, God's responsible for giving us life, which means that if I'm desiring love, which is love is the most enjoyable thing. It's hard too, but it's, it's beautiful, right? Like we all long for love and acceptance and joy. Like if that's what, if those are the things we long for the most, then of course God he's the highest degree of those things because he's only good. You know, like there's, I think about that too. Like he is, that proves to me that he is that way. Just that alone, that I'm desiring true love. Now I have to let him define what love is. Right. Otherwise I can come up with my own things, which comes back to what you were saying, which is we have all these experiences with people. And one of the big things I've learned that we can do is project the love we've experienced from our parents, from our brother, sister, family, girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband, whoever it is, we, with the love we experience, a lot of times we take that and we actually project that onto God. And nobody loves perfectly except for God. Right. Okay, I'm a, I'm a dad. Obviously, we're sitting here, right? Yeah. So I think about you and Spencer mm -hmm. and Spencer, your brother, for those of that don't, my younger son. Also a Stillwell. <laughs> Spencer Stillwell. Yes. I, not just I, but your mom as well, Leslie, for Stillwell. those of you, she's a Stillwell. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh. <laughs> the most important one probably. Anyway, um, we wanted you guys to be raised in an environment that love the word of God, that want, we wanted you to have your own relationship with Jesus. And when you're young parents, it's so difficult because you don't even know how to parent when you're young. You know, you can read a book, which I'm, I loved all the books and we had them. But you don't know how to do it when certain things come up. And so this whole subject of if I wanted you and Spencer to be followers of Jesus, even when you were outside of my intentional care, you're grown men now. You get to choose to do what you want. But it was in our hearts, your mother and, and my heart, to be like, we want them to hear the Lord on their own. We want them to have their own relationship with God. And I am not wanting to put any of my stuff on you guys and my own baggage out, especially raising you in a ministry context as pastor's kids, you were the PKs 
and I didn't want to put you guys under some goofy garbage bondage yeah. uh, that you had to live a certain way, even though we were calling you to obey the Lord. And that so worked out in the home so often, but that's not always lived out because parents, and this is all about enjoying God. Parents get embarrassed by the things that their children do or don't do because it's our family name that's on the line. Or if you're in ministry, it's like those kids better act right. I can't believe you got kids that don't act right way. And there's so much involved. This is like worth a whole season of podcast in itself that we can discuss this. And I'm passionate about it because I'm around young people all the time that didn't have moms and dads around them or they were absent or they were even going to church, but they had no grid to talk to them about how much God really felt about them, that he enjoyed them. And one of the things about knowing that God's enjoyable is not that he overlooks my sin. He will hedge me in and he will deal very deliberately with me and the sinful choices that I make. But at the end of the day, he wants me to know how much he feels and thinks about me, the scripture's full of, so that I'm not coming, I'm not running away from him in these moments. And so bringing that back to being parents and thinking of you guys, we didn't always do it right. I, I, I was not good some days. I remember having times when you guys were younger coming to you guys and going, forgive me for dad's reaction. You probably don't even remember those things unless they're deeply repressed and they're now they're coming up in therapy. <laughs> or on this podcast. Or they're going to come up on this <laughs> podcast. And I'm sure there are going to be some moments we disagree on this, which I would be really healthy as well. However, on this one thing, I thought I want them to have that as their foundation, even in as we as we would discipline you guys and things. I don't expect you to remember all that, but maybe it'll come out in your memoirs one day. <laughs> no, but I do. I have had people ask me over the years, you know, how did your parents raise you? You know, like, what did they, you know, what is, what did they do? Like, and I kind of told them I, what it felt from my perspective was, I think you and mom trusted, put us in God's hands and trusted him more than you trusted yourselves. That's the way that, that that's what it came across to me because it was never forced. I never felt forced to pursue God. It felt like it was an opportunity in front of me. And and that was, I think, a huge thing, just practically, was how much we, were, me and Spencer were playing sports growing up. You know, a lot of kids, their parents, I remember growing up, you can't do that, you got to go to youth group. You can't go play in a game on Sunday because you got to go to church. But you and mom had the foresight, I think, to see... Like, actually, it's not just about making sure you go to a service. Like, I was playing basketball. I had four games a weekend a lot of times. I was coming to church late on Sunday night in my basketball stuff because I loved being there, and that's what we did. But I knew that that's not what set me up to have a relationship with God. And and I think that's part of because of what you're saying. I didn't feel like anything was thrown on us really ever. I never really felt like that. I felt like we had opportunities to choose it ourselves, And, um, but I got to go do something that I really loved and it wasn't wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think a lot of times when you're young, you're a kid, you're like, but I love this sport. God doesn't want me to play on Sunday. It's like, come on. No, (laughs) like, right. Like, I think God's bigger than that one, but 
it was bigger than it was bigger than just this is what we do. It was we live this way. We live in front of God, and yes, and He enjoys you when you're playing basketball. He enjoys you when you're playing football or baseball or when you're doing your piano lessons or your guitar lessons. And you know, but that's honestly too though we had the house of prayer as well, so we were we could be in the prayer room for a little bit too, and and not it wasn't it was about enjoying God. Actually, it wasn't about just checking off the list of things I have to do to be a Christian. That wasn't it. So I, so I know I just said a bunch there, but that's what I always kind of felt like was like, it always felt like you and mom trusted God with me and Spencer more than yourselves. You know what I mean? Like it, it felt like we were put in, in God's hands too. And you and mom were always there if we needed to go talk about stuff or, and you guys disciplined us and all of those godly practical things you know and it was important but yeah I can I can remember just it was very there's only one or two times I've I felt like a regular like a PK like some what some PKs have gone through but it's pretty I don't know it's, it's interesting I, I know we're talking about like family dynamics but when you start talking about a father in heaven who has such intention emotion that's the thing about being a parent is no matter who you who you are as a father or mother, you have intense emotion and affection over your sons and daughters. And God loves us way more than I could ever love you and Spencer. He's far more committed to you than I will ever be because I'm, I'm weak and broken in areas. And so when you talk about enjoying God for the long haul, again, going back to why we're doing this podcast, um, I want people to feel empowered when they're 70 and 80 that they're like, I know that God enjoys me mm-hmm. even in my weakness, right? Yeah, even on your worst day. Worst day, which is kind of the, that's where you learn about God enjoying you. And there's a few things around that. You still got to obey him because he says to those who obey me, my father and I will come to him and make our home in him. Right. Um, he who obeys me, I will love him because that's how we grow with God. And I mean, there's more to that verse. I'm, I know there is, but it's like that's one of the key reasons, like key reasons that we're called to walk out this relationship with him, knowing that he enjoys us uh, when we're weak. That and I guess the main thought that I'm thinking about is when I'm, I that I will run to him. Right. It's too easy to isolate. Look, it's so easy just to be like, I don't like myself, and I don't like people. I'm out, or I failed. I'm out, or I'm not sure where I stand. I'm out. But with him. We always know where we stand with him. Yeah. And I think that's played out in a family dynamic, fathers, mothers, sons and daughters. Yeah. And I, I'm just really grateful that I think in, even in my, when I was, we talked about in the last podcast episode, being 18 or 19, here I am, a young guy, you know, struggling areas of lust in my heart, learning how to walk free of lust and all this stuff. I'm just using that as one major thing because it's very relatable to any 18, 19-year-old young man out there. And uh, realizing that when you're walking with God and you're walking in repentance, that fellowship and friendship with Him is can remain together and intact. It's when I choose to move away from that. But I, yeah. I got to know He wants me near Him. Yeah, well, that's what liberates, I think, our soul from going to those old things because it's 
it's the it's the thought of oh he he loves me too much and but i know it it's not that i just say that right it's not that i just read that it's that because i've failed and i've gone back to him and enjoy, and known his acceptance and his love for me that's actually what ends up changing me over time is oh my gosh lord i've messed it up for the 500th time or whatever you know and he goes Yep, and it's time for you to repent again. And I go, okay, Lord, thank you for helping me get back to you. I want to be near to you. I don't want to be apart from you. That's what I think is starting to starting to happen as we have that conversation. But you don't go run back to the Lord unless you have a, a, some understanding of he, he enjoys me. He wants me near. Let's remove this moment of failure through repentance— and as I'm repenting, I'm being enjoyed by him. That is, repentance is so like a, ouch, I don't want to have to do that. It's like, no, you should just live there a lot of times. You, you should just be quick to repent because you want to get back into, not that you're out, but you want to be in agreement with God. And he enjoys you in the midst of that. That's what I think has made such a huge impact on my heart in areas. Is like, man, Lord, I've failed, but... I've experienced how you love me even as I come back to you. It's the it's I think it's what Luke 15, right? The prodigal son story where the father runs out like the father's looking for him yeah, and the father yeah. runs out to meet him. That was not customary, but the father runs out to meet the son and that's what I think about. I'm like, "Wow, Lord, you when you convict me, you're that's kind of you running out to me." <laughs> You know, like it's, per, I don't know. Well, so. you saw me over here getting kind of animated and I, and I don't know, since we're kind of moving around this discussion, I'm remembering a time when Corey Russell was out with us in the East Bay and he said something to you about coming to the altar. Oh yeah. Think about that for a minute. See if it fits in this. It may not fit. We may want to just move on from it, but, um, I don't really care. You know, it's like, I just feel like the Lord's just highlighting things. No, but I can talk about that because in that it had all to do with breaking free of performance, which I love the altar, right? Like get to the altar. Yeah. But so often you add to this. So many young people are like, I blew it again. I failed again. I got to go up and which is fine. Keep doing that. I'm never going to deny a person coming to the altar. But as you begin to grow in this thing with God, there's something of your identity that begins to shift that you actually care more about when you do sin. You're like, I, this is so, I don't want to break his heart. Yeah. That's I'm it. just got, not getting to the altar because yeah. all my friends are there. I don't want to break yeah. the father's heart in this yeah. area. So I don't know if that's something as far as enjoying God. I just remember Corey said that to you one day after a service. Yeah. I mean, well, I just went, I think I was in high school and I was going to every, altar call I could because I, number I was so hungry for God but I wanted breakthrough in my life I wanted to stop certain habits that I had in my life that I just was not okay with it were just wrecking me you know and um so I and because I had experienced God's love in such powerful ways I was I just felt like a hypocrite <laughs> I was like Lord this does not match up you know what's going on and I remember I went to every altar call and I remember afterwards I was just talking to Corey. I said, Corey, what I'm having this issue. What can I do? I feel like I'm doing everything I can. 
And he said, stop coming to the altar call. <laughs> he just said, just do it. Which, when he said that at the time, I didn't really get it. I was kind of like, okay. But it did help me understand, like, oh, I am i don't need to. An altar call is not going to do it. Right? There was something greater than. It was like, let's just start walking this out. And it, and it took time. But the, that's what the Lord started revealing to me is like, oh, Lord, I I love you. I don't want to break your heart anymore. I don't want to anything to get between you and me, you know. And, um, yeah, that was that was significant because it changed how I approached um, seeking the Lord, too. And that, you know, altar calls don't prove you're actually hungry. You they, know what I, the, they can. The, I mean, right. If there, it's a response that you're supposed to, if you're supposed to respond in that way because you're feeling led by the Holy Spirit to do that, great. But what for me, it wasn't, it was like, oh Lord, you, I'm just as serious about my walk with you if I'm not doing that. I don't have to do that. Like no one has to do that to prove, right? It's a, it's the proving thing. Like you're saying the performance, like there's no, um, going to do an altar call you need to go if you're, if you're feeling that. But like I had gone to every single one of them. It was like, there was no real, um, and I got encountered on a lot of those too. Very real, but it, it made it even more deep for me to be like, okay, I just need to walk this out. I think it does become more real. We're not calling it. It's not trite or frivolous. Then we go, if we were to say, and when Corey told you that he wasn't saying, don't come to the altar. Saying, actually, do this. Live this out. Live walking with an enjoyable God out because He enjoys you. He has deep affections over you. That's what liberates your soul. It's easy to get people to feel bad about themselves. And you can become so consumed with the one thing that you're failing at. Yes. You can be so consumed that it becomes an idol. And I think our guilt can become an idol. Certainly. Rather than I'm going to focus on how God thinks and feels about me, and that's what's going to set me free. It doesn't. It doesn't at all dismiss the sin in our life ever. But if it's an idol to me, I'll stay stuck in that same flow of condemnation. I'll feel bad about myself, and eventually I'll just be burnt out and give up and quit. But if I'm fixed on how he feels and thinks about me, that he enjoys me, he wants me near to him, then I'm motivated by love to actually keep going even when I fail. And I know that the failure is not going to last long either, right? Like that's what I'm like, wow, my heart's actually motivated by real love. Yeah. That's why I love John 15, 9, because anytime I feel, you know, like, dang, man, am I... I'm just struggling. I go right back to that and I go, oh, Jesus, you love me the same way the Father loves you. And I've been putting the word in there when I'm pray reading that scripture. I actually am putting in that. I go, Jesus, you enjoy me the way the Father enjoys you. You know, because Proverbs 8 talks about how daily they were each other's delight. I think Proverbs 8.30 says, then I was beside him as a master craftsman and I was daily his delight rejoicing always before him. But this is what's kind of fun, too, is in verse 31, it says rejoicing. Why can I not get down there on my notes? That's so lame. 
rejoicing, sorry everybody, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Mm-hmm. So that's Jesus and the Father describing their delight in each other and their delight for men. And so when I go look at John 15, I go look at John 17, it's like the Lord reminds me, he's like, this is what I've invited you into, is this delight. So I've been thinking, you know, along those lines of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit enjoying paradise together, right? Delighting in each other. That's what God invites us into. And me and Amy were talking about this, me and Amy Knight, we're talking about how love begets love, meaning like it multiplies. Like when you get married, you have kids because you're inviting those kids into love, right? To enjoy more love. And so when you think about what God was in the heart of God was to invite more people into perfect harmony. It was perfect. There was no, there's no need of anything. It was perfect. Yet the heart of God goes, I desire that I would invite more people into this because that's what love does. Love is generous in it it expands, it multiplies. It's just, it was a, kind of a fun thought to think about. I thought of that in, in terms of, in light of John 17, when, you know, really Jesus's greatest desire, he says, I desire that they would be one with me as you and I are one, Father. That's what he's praying there. And so when I think about that, I think, wow, Lord, is it, you know, perhaps the greatest desire of your heart is that we would enjoy you and you would enjoy us the way that you you know the son and the holy spirit all enjoyed each other and i know that's really simple and god desires i'm sure many things right we see desires holiness that we would glorify him obedience all of those things but i keep coming back to this reality of like wow like i actually was made through all the ups and downs through suffering through difficulty through trial, um, there's one desire that I see in God throughout Scripture more than anything, and it's that I would know his love and in that this prayer from Jesus really hit it, which was like, wow, he desires that I would be with him, you know, enjoying him and in love. And so I think that that's what's so critical as we stay connected to loving Jesus, even for... For me, you know, growing up, being a pastor's kid, hearing about Jesus forever, this and that and the other, the things that marked my heart were when I can go back to the times he revealed how he felt about me. And what keeps me now is knowing how he feels about me. The reason I don't quit is because I know how he enjoys me. The reasons I obey is because I know he enjoys me. I start to think about my motivation for anything with him. It always starts with that and there are aspects of duty where i'm like okay like it's my duty as a believer to do this because it's right but the motivation even beyond that is it's passion it's rooted in knowing that he is passionate about me and that's what you know he love i love him because he first loved me and i think we have to stay fixed on that we don't that's not just the get in the door Jesus loves you, receive his love and move on with your life and grow and master these things. It's like, no, like actually I'm never going to graduate from understanding and seeking out how he feels about me. Cause if I don't know that, then I'm not going to make it <laughs> actually. Right. Um, 
So your question or your thought that you want me well, to... Well, my thought just was yeah. John I mean, I agree 17. With all right. What, uh, yeah, like what's the... John 17, you know, what is his greatest desire? That's what sustained... I'm just saying that's what sustained me. I, and I know that that's what I think in the in the home, we take it back to talking about growing up, was we... Me and Spencer knew we were enjoyed by you and mom. You know, we did know that. That was, and we we knew when we were in trouble too. <laughs> we knew when we were in trouble for sure. Yeah. Um, that there was no doubt about that. Yes, you did. But we knew we were still accepted and loved, and I never um, shamed. Really, never felt like. I mean, times I felt ashamed for sure because of my choices. But whenever it was brought to you guys. Or found out somehow. <laughs> but right. if we were hiding it. Yeah, bodies everywhere. You know. There we knew we knew that what wasn't gonna last forever and that we were still accepted and right. loved in it. So we were saved because he desired us. Yeah. And and when he talks to Adam in the garden, he says, Adam, it's not good that man should be alone, is it? It's kinda like that's how I kind of, he's like, and he's like, well, yeah, you were made in my image. So what Adam was longing for was companionship, which to me tells me more about the heart of God than yeah. anything else. It's like God said, I desire companionship because you're experiencing love with no way to multiply this. So to do this long term, if we can settle the issue now, today, right now, I can, whoever's listening, that he enjoys me and he wants me to grow in understanding that. He doesn't wink at me when I sin. But if the issue is settled that I have a father in heaven who gave his son for me out of deep affection because I was promised and we were promised to Jesus as his inheritance to walk as he walked, to live as he lived, and we're all growing in that, but that frees my heart from 10 other things that I'm wanting to go right because most of those 10 other things are not going to go right all the time. But if I can always land back on the foundation that I've been invited into a relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, John 15, 9, John 17, 23, and 17, 24, Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 10, Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 9, with one look of my eyes, you've we've conquered the heart of God, not because we have power over him, but because he loves so much. He's given us that place and he's so secure. He is so secure to go. I want you to know how much I enjoy you and love you. I am so secure in that, that if you stay with me in this, I will cause you to be a mature bride, holy and blameless in love before me. And that's what you see. It's what we all see at the end of our Bibles. We see a church crying out at the end of the age, the spirit and the bride. The bride is saying, come. Yeah. How we relate to our bridegroom God who has deep affection for us. Right. Because he's a bridegroom, a king, and a judge. And he doesn't take off one hat to wear the other, which means we get to know all of him, which is the, the it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, there's so much beauty in that. Um, really good. Yeah. So we just have, we need to live there, you know live in that reality that's why i think john 15 he says abide 
remain in my love. Don't leave my love. Le- live in this. And, um, you know, that's the invitation we have, which is just staggering yeah. to think about. And that ultimately is what leads to living holy. That's right. Because he says it right there in John 15, too. He says, if you, if you obey my commandments, you're my friend. And when you know how he feels about you, your heart goes, I want to be your friend. So as we're kind of coming to a closer, I'm thinking, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about all the little things throughout the day that trigger me mm. in my emotions. Yeah. Comments made to me by whomever. Sure. People I know, people I don't know. Things I experience, information that I receive. And it sounds so easy and like, really, Jim, come on. But if I can lock into my father enjoys me while he's maturing me, then when I get this person that doesn't like me, I get a piece of information I don't like. Somebody says something that I choose to, I can be offended by very easily. I have to go back to, wait a minute, you really like me and enjoy me based upon the blood of Jesus, based upon the cross, not because of anything I've done, which allows me to forgive, trust you, because I know that I'm enjoyed at the end of the day. And that's where it practically begins to work for us, I think, because it has to work that way. Yeah. 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 So, you know, as you're moving forward in this, those of you that are listening, open your Bible to these scriptures we've been talking about today and ask God to reveal how he feels about you as you're praying and reading these and journal it and go back to it and read it. And I, I really believe that God's going to, he's going to help you gain more understanding and revelation, um, in your heart so that you can love him with all that you can, with all of your heart, because that's what love will produce in you. It will produce that good fruit. Um, so yeah, so we want to just encourage you. Thanks for listening. Keep uh, reading, pray reading, ask the Lord to reveal himself to you in these ways. And we'll see you on the next episode and just keep encouraging you to stick around. See you next time. All right. Peace.